Opera acknowledges the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and the continuing connection to lands, waters, and communities. We pay our respects to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and elders, past, present, and emerging. Welcome to Taking Care, a podcast of opera and the national boards. I'm Susan Bigger. And once again today, I have the privilege of speaking with several impressive women. Yes, this is part two of Meeting Women in Surgery. In our last episode, we spoke with two female surgeons who talked with us about the realities of their profession. Today, we hear from two quite different and equally fascinating women, Dr. Pecky De Silva and Dr. Christine Lay. Pecky, how about we start with you? Hi, I'm Pecky. I'm a vascular surgeon in Sydney, the Deputy Chair of Women in Surgery with the Royal Australasian College of Surgeons. And I'm also the Chair of Younger Fellows at the college, which are the younger surgeons in their first sort of 10 years of practice. Thanks for that. And Christine? I'm Christine. I'm a general surgeon based in Adelaide, and I am the chair of women in surgery, as well as a counsellor on the Royal Australasian College of Surgeons. And it's a real pleasure to be here today. Christine, why don't we start with you? Can you tell us a bit about what it's like to be a surgeon? So being a surgeon is not just operating in patients every day. Um, It's got a lot more facets to the profession than perhaps what popular culture um, would suggest. So I spend um, probably slightly over half of my time consulting. So seeing patients who have knee problems, following up old patients. Um, My area of interest in general surgery is um, looking after patients with breast cancer, um, as well as breast problems thyroid cancer, thyroid problems and other endocrine surgical problems such as parathyroid disease and adrenal gland problems. So many of my patients have um, survived cancer diagnosis. So I see a lot of patients in their follow-up um, after their treatment of cancer as well. I also am involved with teaching students, um, going on ward rounds, being on call for the hospital, as well as multidisciplinary cancer care meetings. And also I do a lot of pro bono committee work for the College of Surgeons and um, involved with teaching as well. Great. What about you, Pecky? Is that uh, similar or is your day look sound different to Christine's? Pretty similar. Um, you know, as a surgeon, Obviously, I love operating. That's why I became a surgeon. Um, and going into theatre is a really great environment. You know, you have this team that gets to work together. I'm really lucky. So um, most of the time when I'm operating, it's, it's usually the same people that I operate with. Um, and that's really lovely. So it's kind of like hanging out with a bunch of friends while getting to do something you love. Um, and again, we, I, I consult one day a week. So I see patients on a Wednesday. I like to chat, so I get to talk to a whole variety of people, which is really interesting. We always sort of joke about the fact that surgeons are a little bit like the apprentices. You know, it is a bit of a trade, so we have junior surgeons that come through that we're training, um, and so that's that's actually quite fun. Um, I think it's it's really great to be able to encourage the next generation of surgeons to come through. Um, you know, I became a surgeon because of the people that I got to work with as a medical student and people that really inspired me. And I'd hope that I would get to do the same for the people that follow me as well. And a good segue to thinking about, I wonder when you say the people who inspired you, were any of those people women? No, so when I was a medical student, my sole um, 
exposure to a female surgeon was an ENT registrar who I didn't even see her face. I only saw the back of her. She was wearing a power suit and high heels and she walked across uh, this room and she just walked with such, uh, you know, intimidation, I guess. I don't know. She just looked so powerful. And I remember saying to someone going, who is that? And they said, oh, that's the ENT surgical registrar. And I was like, wow, one day I want to be like that. Um, and so that's when I kind of thought, okay, maybe surgery might be for me. But I was really lucky because I had some incredibly lovely male surgeons who were just so nice and caring and really inspired me because I wanted to be like them. Um, and yeah, I mean, we didn't have the hospital where I trained, we didn't have a single female consultant surgeon at all. Um, and I don't think, I'm trying to remember when the first time I saw a female consultant surgeon was probably when I was on the training scheme. So how does it feel to be a woman in a field still dominated by men? Christine? So like Peggy, I didn't encounter many female trainees or surgeons in South Australia um, because at the time there were very few. When I graduated in 2005, I think the percentage of female surgeons was 5%. It's now just over 13% in Australia and New Zealand. Um, but it's because I really enjoyed it. And I had so many encouraging mentors who happened to be primarily male, but there were a couple of female um, trainees ahead of me, not many. And I felt with their encouragement, I could do surgery. Um, I did have a lot of people discourage me from surgery and none of them were surgeons. And I think that's the problem for women who consider a career in surgery is that it's not surgeons who discourage women from doing surgery or very few. It's our well-intentioned colleagues and other specialties who say, you don't want to do surgery. It's got terrible hours. It's not for females and, and try and encourage them into their specialties. So I hope that um, as more and more women um, become surgeons, that there'll be more role models for those who are sitting on the fence. Um, but certainly if it's something you're interested in, I would definitely recommend um, pursuing it. So you mentioned long working hours as an obstacle. What about the long education pathways? Is that an issue for women? Pecky? Look, it can be. I had a really interesting training pathway because I got onto a surgical program and I actually ended up quitting in my second year. It was interesting as I look back now and I sort of realised that they were definitely, um, you know, I'd kind of fallen out of love with the specialist, really loved it as an unaccredited registrar. And then when I was actually doing it, it was really sad and uh, it was neurosurgery and it was really, you know, I had all these young people with brain tumours and it was really not for me. And I found that really um, depressing and difficult. And then I ended up working in a unit which was um, a little bit dysfunctional. And, you know, people were a little bit misogynistic. It, it was really difficult because I wasn't having a good time working with these people. And I also wasn't enjoying what I was doing. And it led me to make a decision to give up surgery. And that was a really difficult decision because I'd worked so hard to get to where I was um, but I sort of felt that I really had to make a decision about what was in my best interest and um, and I decided to step away and it was actually the best thing I ever did because it really gave me clarity I took a couple of years off I was locoming 
I got to reconnect with my family and my friends because, you know, to get into surgical training, you do have to do a lot of hard work. Um, you're doing research, you're working long hours, you're trying to get good references. It's the same really though for any specialty. I mean, medicine's really competitive. And so people are working really hard to get onto whatever specialty they want to. Um, but, you know, for me to just take that time off and reassess and, and, you know, fall back in love with what I wanted to do. And I was really lucky that some of the mentors that I mentioned earlier that made me go into surgery then got in touch with me and said, come back and, you know, come and work with us for another year. And if you still hate it, then, then that's it. We'll let you go. Um, so I did another year and I realized that it really was what I loved. Um, and then I ended up doing vascular. So, you know, I feel really privileged that I actually got to end up in a place where I am so lucky to get to do what I love every day. Um, but I know that it is because of the people that went before me. And, you know, the fact that I had that little bit of a glitch during my training, it's, it's made me realize that um, I really wanna help people that follow me, that training can be really difficult. And I don't particularly think I was a terrible registrar. I think I was just, in a position where things weren't working well. And so I think that's my, uh, we know through research through the College of Surgeons that female trainees have a little bit of a harder road sometimes through some of the specialties. And I think it's really important to make sure that um, for those of us who've been through that, that we can give them some help and some mentoring and let them know that they're not alone. Because I think that's the one thing that people tend to think if things are going badly for them, especially people who've worked really hard, they think it's all because of them and they don't think about the situational place or the fact that it's actually some of the surrounding areas that are letting them down. I had a different um, pathway to Peggy to becoming a surgeon. Um, so I did not have any um, hurdles to getting onto the surgical training program. I did my internship, two years of basic surgical training. Now I worked very, very hard as an intern and um, as a resident to be the best doctor I possibly could, studied very hard and eventually passed my exams. Um, but I started early in the process. So I got it done within my two years and applied as, at the earliest possible time. And with those amazing mentors who I got to work with, um, they gave me some good references, prepared very hard for the interviews and got onto surgical training straight away. With regards to the long working hours, I think um, that has changed. Um, so the Australian Medical Association um, launched a campaign in the late 1990s to look at safe working conditions for all doctors. It doesn't matter whether they're an intern all the way up to the most senior consultant. We know that long hours are not safe to work. And those workplace um, recommendations have been incorporated into some states and territories, but unfortunately, as we know, this is not always the case, and that's due to the enterprise agreements and the um, inertia in the work environment. In my state, um, yes, some jobs have still slightly work uh, longer hours than others, but um, we don't have to do 24-hour calls and, and those sorts of things which were part the past in surgery where... Um, people were in the hospital for 72 hours in a row on call and then the next day. So that has improved somewhat depending on which specialty you're in. We are rolling out flexible training so that if you do need to um, work less than full time, um, there are the options um, available and becoming more available for our trainees. And I think one of the things that's really important for 
people to understand, you know, whether they're male or female, is that, you know, surgical training doesn't have to be a race to get to the end. Um, you know, I was certainly a very mature consultant. Um, I saw my first private patient before I turned 40, just so that I could say that I started out as a consultant before I was 40. But I really think that especially with women, you know, we're training during our childbearing years. And it's really important to know that um, while it is harder to train and be a, to be a parent, that it is kind of important to get those things if you, if you do want to have children that you should be able to have the children and do your training and that, that you know, you can have it all, but as they always say, but not all at the same time. And so you do have to take some time and, you know, maybe take a year off to be a parent or six months off and then come back and your training will, of course, be longer. But I don't think at the end of the day that really matters. It's, um, you know, when you get to be a consultant or whether, you know, whether that's in five years or whether that's in seven or eight years, I don't think it makes a difference. And I think that's something um, to really focus on. You're going to be a consultant for a really long time. So I think in terms of training, you don't need to have this rush to get there in your early 30s. You can take your time and get there. Um, and, you know, I always say to all the trainees and I go, look, every year that you're training, it's a year where you, you learn new things. So that's really good. What are some of the steps that you think are really important to encourage more women to do those things, both to decide to be a surgeon and also to see it out? I talked about this at a conference a few years ago about the hidden curriculum about, and, and you know, Christine mentioned that about the fact that when medical students come through and they're residents and interns in the hospital system and people talk about um, surgery and, you know, if you're a female and you, and you say to people, oh, I'm going to be a surgeon, you know, the first thing they all say to you is, oh, oh, are you planning to have children? Um, and all of a sudden women are like, oh, well, yes. And you get this inferred um, inference that you can't be a surgeon and a mother. Um, you know, both Christine and I are mums. We both have kids and that's so not true. And that's one of the things I always try and tell uh, the junior doctors is, you know, don't make career choices based on the family that you don't have. You know, don't, don't think, well, I'm going to have three children, therefore I better not do surgery, I'll do general practice or I'll do something they perceive to be easier or more family friendly. Because what I always say to people is at the end of the day, whatever you choose, it's got to be whatever you love. And the other thing that I always say to people is you really do need to choose your partner well or at least have a conversation with your partner about what life is going to be like and what they envision their life to be like. I'm very lucky, I've got a stay-at-home husband. And so it means that I get to do so many more things without thinking about it. I can, you know, go to a conference, I can do on call, I can, um, you know, get called in at midnight and know that, you know, there's someone there. So those kind of things are really important to think about as well. So if you're enjoying listening to these exceptional women, and you missed episode one of Meeting Women in Surgery, you're going to love it. Have a listen to Victoria Atkinson. We need to actively seek out, not just assume people will come towards us, but actively seek out and be very public about the fact that we need diversity and we need women. And it's not just a nice to have, we need them. Okay, back to Pecky and Christine. 
Are there things that, that women surgeons bring to the role that you see that are different? I think it's really important to have a diverse uh, medical workforce and surgical workforce as a subset of that. Um, what we know is that um, we can serve our patient population better because if you have um, a greater option of surgeons to see, um, some who have the same lived cultural experience as a patient, you may um, be able to understand the nuances of um, how a patient presents or the interactions between the patient and their family in order to navigate um, the best pathway forward to get a, a good patient outcome or the best patient outcome. Um, and certainly with um, the increasing number of um, migrants to our country, particularly patients whose religions um, espouse that they should see uh, a female doctor if they're female, it gives them options. Um, so I, as I mentioned, I'm a breast um, and endocrine subspecialty surgeon and in the public practice, by having me as a consultant, it means that all the Muslim women who feel from a religious perspective that they must see a female, they have that option available to them. And prior to my appointment, there wasn't that appointment uh, option available to them, um, which then might've meant some people not actually coming and seeking medical care in the public hospital. I'm going to be really controversial and I'm going to say that, um, you know, as doctors, we like to, you know, practice evidence-based medicine. And there have been some studies that have shown that female surgeons actually have better outcomes than male surgeons. Um, it's, um, there was a Canadian study that actually showed there was less complications from female surgeons. Um, and obviously we can't extrapolate that to the whole world, though we'd like to, and we do agree. Um, but I think that as a female surgeon, um, I think that we do bring a certain uh, different way that we communicate with our patients. I think, you know, men and women do sometimes communicate a little bit differently. And certainly I get a lot of patients. I've had a few patients that have come to me for a second opinion just because I do sit down and I talk to them for a lot longer. Um, and, you know, I, I feel that, you know, that's probably one of my strengths is, is good communication. Um, and there's also that... Um, I have a few patients that do say that they, you know, prefer to see a female surgeon than a male surgeon. You know, there's a lot of women out there that um, sometimes prefer to talk to me than to a male surgeon. And I think that, um, again, with cultural diversity, um, it's really important. I do get um, patients that come to see me because of my cultural background as well. Um, so I think, you know, not only is it important to have sort of gender equity, but it's also important in Australia to have sort of, um, you know, a diverse surgical workforce. And Christine, what do you love about being a surgeon? One of the things I really do like about surgery is that it's a team environment and because you work with anaesthetists, nursing staff, as well as other parts of um, the hospital, such as radiologists, oncologists, um, et cetera, depending on what area of surgery you're specialising in. And so that's quite unique because in other fields of medicine, you may just be on your own or you refer patients to other people, but you're not in a shared decision-making process for the patient's care. One thing that I've noticed in the, the last 20 or so years of working in medicine is that there's more women who've um, gone out and specialised and have become consultants in the hospital. And so I'm not the only person who is a woman in the room anymore. We have lots more female oncologists and and anaesthetists and um, very occasionally I have an all-female team in theatre which is pr 
pretty unique um, or not as common, I guess, uh, for patients to see. And um, they certainly have made comments about that. But irrespective of gender, um, if you get to work with some great people, your job's really, really enjoyable. One of the things that I do is varicose veins and I actually do them in my rooms. And um, at the moment I've got an all female team. So I've got two female nurses and the ultrasonographer that I do the procedures with is female as well. Um, and the number of patients that have come in, because I do this under local anesthetics, so the patients are all awake. And the number of women that have come in and said, what a lovely experience it is to be in an all female um, room with female um, you know, nurses and a female ultrasonographer. It's been really lovely. And I think that um, even, you know, in theatre, when patients come into theatre and, you know, both my anaesthetists are male, but we have, um, you know, with vascular, we have radiographers who are either male or female. We have nurses. My nurses um, are also both, we have male and female nurses as well. Um, and so, but it's, it's more about, you know, the relationships that we have and, and, and the kindness, I think. Um, I have a really lovely team and, and I've had a number of patients that have actually come up and said to me afterwards that they had a really, and they, and they go, it's really strange, but I just wanted to say that I had a really nice time in theatre. Um, <laughs> but, you know, and it's important because it's a really scary thing to go to theatre. Um, you know, I, I had to have my gallbladder out and I was so nervous and I'm a, I'm a surgeon. I know what's going to happen. You know, I was waiting for that anaesthetist to give me some happy drugs because I was quite anxious. So I think that, you know, as a lay person going into a strange environment, um, it's so important to, to have that surgical team um, to look after you. Um, so we're really, I think, you know, as a surgeon, that's one of the really great things is you get to work with such great people as well. Fantastic. One last question I want to ask you both is, what do you want to see for women in surgery in the future? What's your hope, Christine? I would love to see that we have 50% or more applicants for surgical training being women and that we're accepting a similar proportion of women into surgery because we've had um, more than 50% of medical students graduating in Australia and in, uh, over the um, Tasman Sea in New Zealand since the late 1990s. And um, hopefully uh, our graduates realise that surgery is a great profession and that it just becomes normal to be a woman in surgery. For me, um, it'll be the day when, you know, you go to see a surgeon and you're not surprised that it's a woman. You're equally likely to have a male surgeon or a female surgeon. And, you know, when we talk about women surgeons, we don't always preface it by saying she's a female surgeon. You know, we'll just be surgeons because it will be equal. Um, and I think that would be fantastic. Um, and I think it's what the community needs. You know, we have a 50% of our community are women. And it's not particularly that women want to see a female surgeon, but it's also to give people the choice. Um, and I think that's really important. There's certain things that you, you don't care whether you see a man or a woman, and there's other things that you might want to see a woman. Um, and I think it's equally important to have Indigenous representation. I think, you know, as the College of Surgery, we're really proud of the fact that we're really trying to improve that. Um, um, you know, one of my mentors or mentees just got onto vascular training and he's the first Aboriginal um, surgeon that's going to go through vascular training. So, you know, we, we want to see as much diversity as we can um, and, and certainly getting uh, females up there is, is really important as well.
And before we go, Christine, is there anything you want to say to young women surgeons out there or women doctors who are thinking about being surgeons? If you do enjoy surgery, the Women in Surgery Group is not just for women surgeons, but we do open up membership to medical students and junior doctors as well. And so if you go into the College of Surgeons website, you can email um, the Women in Surgery Secretary and um, ask to join. And that will give us opportunities to invite you to events so that you can meet other women in surgery, network with uh, surgeons and trainees to find out a bit more um, about the career and help you navigate through becoming a surgeon. Thank you, Becky and Christine, for today, for your insights and your wisdom and for what you do every day. And maybe most importantly, for being role models for women and girls who are thinking about becoming doctors and even more thinking about becoming surgeons. So we really appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for listening to Taking Care today. Please keep in touch with us at communications at opera.gov.au. Be sure to subscribe to Taking Care in your podcast player. We have plenty of back episodes for you to listen to. And we'll see you next time.